We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Tuesday, July eighteenth, two thousand and twenty-three. Ladies and gentlemen, we've almost made it. Rookies report on Friday. Training camp starts next week. The first practice will be Wednesday. I will be in attendance on Saturday. Jordan loves first training camp as a starter, bringing a friend out. I got a friend traveling from Colorado just to go with us for the occasion. But football season is right around the corner. It's almost here. We've nearly made it. Welcome to the Pack-A-Day podcast. I am your host today. I am Jacob Westerdorf. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westerdorf. You can find my work at Packer Central and SI.com affiliation. I am joined by Suns Out, Guns Out, Jacob Morley, and Mr. Morley, uh, we had a bit of an announcement for our show this this week, didn't we? Oh, we certainly did. Um, those of you that listened last week, there was a, a strong contingent of people that clamored very loudly to just say, hey, why don't you guys just go ahead and ask Trey to be on the show like every week during the season? And to that, we said, okay. So we asked him, and uh, yeah, that's the news, man. We got uh, Trey Watson is uh, going to be joining us in season. Uh, So you'll catch him on here uh, with Jacob and I every week on Tuesday. We'll be breaking down most likely the game that had been played on Sunday or Monday. And it's going to be just, it's going to be really nice to have not only is. It, not only is Trey, I mean, obviously that's Christian Watson's brother. We all, we know that we know who Christian Watson is. That's interesting in itself to have a guest on like that. That's going to offer that unique perspective of a sibling watching a, a, a sibling play 
every week, being tuned in, being checked in, watching the game as intently as we will be. But on top of that, Trey's an NFL, former NFL player and high, high level football player. He's one of the best football players on the planet. And you might say, well, he plays in the XFL. He's one of the best football players on the planet, right? The guy understands the game. He's going to offer a more interesting perspective to certain things that, you know, we can ask him about instead of just bitching and moaning about, oh, Joe Barry, why are you playing 10 yards off on this? Maybe Trey has some insight on that about why, in his experience, they might be doing something a certain way. Uh, Maybe he has some insight on uh, Christian specifically or the offense or whatever it may be. Um, in any case, I think it's just going to be a, a really fun season adding him to the show uh, because on top of that, you guys heard him last week. The guy is, the guy is a natural in front of a microphone. Um, he was super fun to have on. I think it's going to be just a really, really incredible season and a really good time. So uh, make sure you're tuning in to that every single week. Yeah, I thought it was funny. He says to us as everything kind of gets wrapped and we're like, this is going to happen. He's like, now I have a reason to put together my office slash trophy room. And which I was like, what a flex. I don't have a trophy room. Like trophies I won were of the participation variety <laughs> and and those kinds of things from, from when I was a kid. So it was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Trey was a lot of fun last week. Um, you could tell his his passion and knowledge for the game. I think he'll fit in really well with us as you and I who try to find answers to questions as opposed to just saying what's the narrative or you know Joe Barry or doesn't have the clutch gene or didn't make this play at this you know just why didn't that happen and and maybe he knows and maybe he won't but I feel like he can give a better insight like I said he's a professional football player that is a higher level of football than any of us have played or at least most of us I should say so I'm looking forward to it I'm looking forward to Trey Watson joining us like you said he's not just Christian Watson's brother is really smart. Uh, he's looking to do some other stuff too. So hopefully we can we can help him with with that aspect of things as well. More like we've got a variety of topics today. And I wanted to start, since we're a week away from training camp, I wanted to start with who you thought was a breakout candidate. And we're just picking one and maybe we'll do more next week. We'll kind of see how, how the week progresses on something like that. But I have one that I thought was a little unconventional. Uh, but I'm just curious, based on that, who your choice for um, breakout candidate is for this team in 2023. Well, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I think the most obvious one. So I'll give you my most obvious one, then I'll let you go. And if you don't, if you don't pick who I'm thinking of as like a secondary type guy, then I'll 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 mention him as well. But the obvious one is Christian. Um, you look at his. We just were talking about him. His advanced metrics, his advanced stats, when you look at what he was able to do in the second half of last season, if he can springboard that into being the feature guy in this offense, I mean, we're talking about a kid who uh, led the league last year in contested catch rate. 75% um, of his of his contested catches that he was thrown, he caught nine of them. Uh, as far as his um, – I just tweeted this today or yesterday when you guys were listening to this. Hey, Jordan Love. You've got your safety blanket. He, he is Christian Watson, the number one receiver in the NFL, the number one passer rating when targeted in the NFL of receivers with 60 or more targets is Christian Watson. And if you go look at that top 10 list, it's not just a bunch of schmucks on the list. It is, it is the, 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 the usual suspects. It is the Stephon Diggs. It is the A.J. Browns. 
It is the Amon Ross St. Browns. It's those guys that you that you're looking at as the best receivers in the league. That usually correlates. If you're a good receiver, then guess what? Your quarterback is going to be more successful when they're throwing you the ball. That's simple. That's easy. And Christian Watson led all players in the NFL last year with a 123 point something uh, rating. And I think Stephon Diggs was second with like a 121. I mean, so he's a guy that if he just gets the opportunity and can stay healthy, I think he's someone by the end of the year, we're going to look at some of these top 10 lists that uh, people are putting together, especially right now. I know Madden just came out with their top 10 list. And, you know, some people are, oh, Christian Watson got snubbed. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, But next year, maybe. You know, next year, maybe. If he can put a full season together, stay healthy, put up the numbers that we know that he's capable of, uh, I think he can be someone that you look to, you know, break out, and it it could be him. You could say a lot of the same stuff for Romeo as well. Romeo has a lot of good advanced stats as well. I mentioned, you know, Christian Watson had the 123 rating. Romeo Dobbs, his rating was plus 100 as well. So, Jordan, find 87 find nine, throw them the ball. And I think that's something that a lot of us were frustrated with last year um, for a variety of reasons. I'm not just going to you know, bash Aaron Rodgers for, oh, he would only throw the ball to Lazard. I think there was, a, there was a, a little bit of a trust there that wasn't yet built with those young guys. And I think that's, I think that's normal. And I just think, man, Jordan Love probably has more reps with Romeo and Christian uh, than Rodgers did. Rodgers being hurt most of the, the year, quite frankly, missing practice. Who was taking those reps? Jordan Love. So as far as a rapport goes, you know, those two guys, especially Christian, I think are, are prime candidates um, to break out. I'll kick it over to you and I'll, I'll see if uh, you pick the who my, kind of my unconventional guy was. Yeah. So my choice for this is Keyshawn Dixon and the pushback from people might immediately be how the hell is he a breakout candidate when he was a first team all pro a season ago? And I'm going to tell you why this is not just a return specialist. And I believe the contract the Packers gave him with some escalators and stuff like that, but that's a total of $6 million. That's not chump change for, for anybody. And this is a guy who's entering the year as the team's preferred slot cornerback. And, you know, he's a little bit bigger than than some of the other guys, but I don't think he gives up the lateral quickness that is required to live in that world. You know, from a from a movement standpoint, the player who probably best fits that slot position is Jair Alexander. But then you make him a run defender, you expose him to more punishment. There's just a little too much risk there for for my liking at this point of of what the Packers need for him. I, I do think the Packers should use the personnel they have to their advantage to where, yeah, Justin Jefferson goes in the slot. Jair goes with him. Um, You know, one of the complaints I guess I would have is when, you know, somebody asks Matt LaFleur last year, like, well, why didn't Jair Alexander just shadow whomever? And he kind of says, well, it just doesn't work that way. Well, why can't it? You know, like again, and I'm not asking to be like controversial. I'm asking because I want to know like why, because in my dumb brain it makes as much sense to me to just say that's their best this is our best go after it uh and just try and make you know the bill belichick saying make you play left-handed uh and kind of work that way but with nixon he's a little bigger 
than some of the guys the Packers have used in that position. Like I said, he doesn't give up. Like Rasul Douglas was a bigger player, but he just doesn't move that as well side to side to be able to keep up with some of them, you know, quicker, twitchier slot type players that are typically in there. Nixon to me is a guy who, when he played defensive back and he wasn't asked to do it a ton, he only played like 250 snaps or something in that ballpark, but he did it well. Uh, he had a forced fumble against Tampa Bay. That was a game where Alexander left the game. You're kind of like, oh, man, Brady's going to find whoever his replacement is and pick him apart. Nixon had a forced fumble in that game. He nearly had an interception in that game. He picked off Justin Fields uh, to win a game at the end of the year, and he's big. So when you get into those run defense sequences, he's capable of kind of playing physical. And one of the things that the Packers have struggled with is in those positions, you're talking about guys like, Shannon Sullivan, who's kind of skinny and, and not as physical. Uh, Darnell Savage, nobody's going to confuse him for a physical tackler or anything like that. This is a guy to me who Rasul Douglas might be playing his last season in Green Bay this year based on just contracts, cap, all that kind of stuff that's boring, and I'll leave for the other people to talk about that during the offseason. But if he's playing his last season, you know, the Packers are going to need some help at that position. You don't, We don't know. What's going on with Eric Stokes? Uh, I'm going to be very interested to see if he starts training camp on the physically unable to perform list. He and Rashawn Gary both are big points of interest in that position. But to me, Nixon's a guy who can solidify himself as a long-term player, not just as a kickoff returner, which let's be honest, last year was awesome. Watching him take those kicks and housing one against Minnesota and all that stuff was awesome. It's just with the new rules of kickoffs and everything like that, it's just really hard to be really impactful at that position for, you know, enough over enough games and everything like that. So I'll be interested to see how he does with things like that. But on the defensive side of the ball, he could become a long-term type of player on the defensive side of the ball with Jair Alexander, which I think could be really important. So that's why he's one of my, it's, it's unconventional because like I said, he's a first team all pro a season ago, but I kind of like that. Who was your not Christian Watson pick? Yeah, I think bringing up Eric Stokes is interesting because what a forgotten name. What a forgotten guy for a first-round draft that could have very good rookie year. Came out his second year, well, very good. Was kind of bad, even. And then got hurt. And now it's just almost – it's it's weird to have someone like that that's almost like, man, if he turns out okay, that's just gravy. Um because at one point in time, they were really expecting big things from him. But uh, that's not who I was going to say. The The guy that I was going to point out is Kingsley Inigbare. And you mentioned Rashawn Gary potentially starting the year on, on the PUP. Where do those snaps go? Obviously, Preston's going to take the bulk of his snaps. Obviously, uh, you know Van Ness, they're going to want to get worked in. But Inigbare, to me, is kind of the other starter then at the beginning of the year. And you look at his, you know, we talk about advanced stats and honestly with Rashawn, it's kind of Kingsley. It reminds me of Rashawn, not from an athletic standpoint, but from when you look at the, their, their advanced statistics and how, man, whenever they're on the field, they're winning. They win a lot. And with Inigbare, you know, PFF has a, a win percentage, uh, metric that they like to use i don't think it's perfect but i do like it and it does give you a little bit of a picture of who is winning who's winning the reps and of last year's draft class with guys that rushed the passer 200 or in 50 or more times there's one guy on the list that has a better win percentage than Enigbari, and that's aiden hutchinson 
And you all know how we both feel about Aiden Hutchinson on this podcast. Uh, we have talked about him as a potential defensive player of the year candidate this year. And I think that's fair. Obviously, I'm not going to put Inigbare in that list, but when you are winning 11.5% of the time that you're rushing the passer, uh, Aiden Hutchinson is 12.4. The next guy is Kayvon Thibodeau, who is also a first-round pick, and then Trayvon Walker, first-round pick, George Karloffis, first-round pick, Arnold Ibakite, top 50 pick, Dominique Robinson was a later guy, and Alex Wright all kind of round up the list. It's just guys that even had that many pass rush attempts. Inigbari's at the top of the list with some impressive numbers. So with the opportunity in front of him, with Gary potentially not being there the first four, six, whatever it is, weeks, that is a huge opportunity for that young man to come out and say, I'm a starter in the NFL now. Um, I have these advanced metrics. And as I get more reps, you're going to start to see me make more plays. That's just kind of how that works. Now, it's kind of like baseball, too, where some of these guys come out and they look really, really good, especially pass rushers, because pass rushers are kind of like hitters, right? They can come out, and if you got a good base skill set, you can win early. Uh, but offensive tackles are kind of like pitchers in a way that's like, ah, I just, you know, I just got to figure out how to beat you. Once I've got that exposed, then you're going to have to adjust again. So that's kind of all the, the fun part of it with Inigbare when you look at him and what he's going to be able to do in his second year. Uh, but he's someone that I would not sleep on as far as being a, a pretty big, you know, impactful guy for this team and what they want to accomplish this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, Nagbury is interesting. And I found out today that I've been spelling his name wrong his entire career. So my apologies to Kingsley and Nagbari. Um, well, also, he said last year he wanted to go by JJ, and then nobody called him that. So I don't okay, really know. So I think- my apologies to JJ then as well, because I missed that. But yeah, I think uh, it's his situation is interesting. Because to me, he's a guy who, when you talk about him, quote unquote, breaking out, 
I don't think even at his peak, he's somebody that you want as a starter. Um, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful manner. It's just <clears throat> he's probably not the first or second best pass rusher, edge player on a really good defense. He's probably a good secondary, like the team's third best pass rusher. Can he be to this team? Well, and granted, on this team, you know, when everyone's healthy, you're looking at him being fourth, which is a great situation for him waves. to be in assuming. That's exactly what they want, right? They want to come at you in waves. Correct. And that has worked. Like, I mean, you guys saw it last year. The, the Philadelphia Eagles got to the Super Bowl and literally had two, like, line changes that they could use on the defensive line in the pass rush unit. Packers don't have that. But at the edge room, you know, if Gary's healthy, Gary Preston, Lucas Van Ness, and J.J. Anagbare, it's a really good start. And then that doesn't even include Justin Hollins and Brenton Cox. One of those guys, maybe both, make the team if they end up doing something like that. But his – his breakout, if you will, is interesting because it just means is he 2023's version of Kyler Fackrell to Lucas Van Ness's Rashawn Gary? I don't think so. Just from the standpoint of I think Van Ness is a little more ready to play right now than Gary was. And I think they'll kind of let him play more now than they would have, what, four years ago now when they had the Smith brothers and the Smith. Like Gary, Gary when he's healthy and Preston Smith are not going to play like 90% of snaps the way they did in 2019 when those two guys were around. So that part is going to be interesting to see. So I'm curious just, you know, kind of what that looks like because he does make sense to me as a guy who can break out. It's just, is he one of those guys who he strikes me as in Green Bay, what could have like his path, if you will, is like one of two ways. Green Bay gets him eventually on like an under the market contract extension as a secondary pass rusher, like three or what, three years from now when his contract's up. Or he's that guy who's a backup like Zadarius Smith was and gets a big deal somewhere else because it's like, man, if he just played more, then this could happen. And Green Bay by then will have Gary and then they hope a fully loaded Lucas Van Ness. So it'll just be interesting to see how his career path goes forward. But those are good numbers. He did a good job last year in in limited playing time. Certainly not a guy, like I said, that you want as a a starter, I don't think, on a full-blown, you know, really good defense like this. But it'll be interesting to see. The other topic, we have a couple. Uh, One of them, we were going to do the all NFC team. Then we started talking about it. So we got through like, you know, quarterback, that's Jalen Hurts. Running back, is that Christian McCaffrey? Is that Saquon? Is there a candidate like Aaron Jones in it? And then we started going through and wondering, if we made this team, how many Packers end up on it? How many Packers have a case to end up on it? And then we're like, Gary, it's like, well, no. And this isn't even disrespectful to him. But Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa are in the NFC. So they're both better edge players. Uh, than than Gary has been in in their young careers. Uh, Jair Alexander makes the team, which kind of makes you wonder, is is Ja their best player, like you mentioned? Kenny Clark probably doesn't make that team right now. Um, And then the only other one really with a conversation is David Bakhtiari, but I think that Morley had uh, talked about it. Probably Elton, too. You could probably – And Elton Jenkins, yeah. And had we talked about Bakhtiari, I think we could have gone just – we play the health card and say, hey, Trent Williams has been healthier and over the last couple of years, and I mean, Trent Williams is kind of the consensus gold standard for that position, but it's like you can't do one at left and one at right because Lane Johnson exists and he is the best right tackle in football and by quite a bit uh, by that margin, by my estimation. At least. So it's just curious how many Packers I'd be curious to see how many Packers we say like are candidates for that team this year. One of them, Alexander, makes the team versus how many are like on it slash candidates for next year. You know what I mean? Because 
this year is kind of a a bit of a learning year. People don't really know what they have in the Packers. I think you're going to see a wide range of outcomes for predictions. Some people are going to predict them to be the worst team in the NFL. Other people, nobody's going to predict them to win the Super Bowl except for like Matt Ramage, but that's about it. Uh, and that's because that's what Matt does, and that's cool. Um, I just don't think that's what. But make the playoffs and make a bit of a surprise run like that could happen too. So we're going to do that. But instead of going depression route and making it not really a Packers route, Bill Huber from Packer Central, my my partner in crime, I guess calling myself his partner was not really representative there. But um, that's my guy. I love Bill. Um, he was talking about the Packers in one score game. So last year, the Packers played in nine one score games, Morley. Nine. How many of those games do you think they won out of nine? Well, I, I know the answer because no, but we talked. I wasn't sure. Okay, so they went four and five, yeah. which includes they were, which is interesting because they were four and four going into the last game of the season, which they lost to the Detroit Lions uh, throughout that game. Morley, I didn't realize today. I was going through that game a little bit while I was doing some other stuff. I did not realize. I mean, I was in the stadium, so obviously I know. And there's been a lot of focus on the quarterback situation, but like, I didn't realize how bad some guys played in that particular game. Like both guys that played right tackle, just PFF grades and just eye tests, like everything struggled uh, pretty mightily on that side of things. Uh, the guard, John Runyon, not that great. Josh Myers, just going down the line there. Anyways, they're four and four in those games. Matt LaFleur in his career though, Morley has played 33 or coached in 33 one score games. What do you, how many of those games do you think they've won in four seasons? Oh man, probably it has to be above twenty five. I mean, they didn't. They hardly lost before last year. They're twenty two and eleven in one score games since Lafleur took over. That is second best in the NFL behind. Who do you think's number one in one score games since twenty nineteen? Yeah, like the Chiefs. I don't know. Yeah, Andy Reid. Andy yeah. Reid is number one in, in those sets. So. He goes through and says, you know, that was the theme of Aaron Rodgers' first season as the Packers starter. And this is something we've talked about quite a bit, Morley, as just trying to figure out, like, even if you do like this Packers team, their record may not represent how well they actually play just because it takes a while to learn how to win. Uh, There's a lot of things that go through, uh, go into winning. So Rodgers, they won their first one-score game. They won 24-19 to in Rodgers' debut on Monday Night Football against the Vikings. They get to the bye at 4-3. and They lose. They're 1-7. and out of the bye, six of those losses came by a grand total of 18 points. So Rodgers' numbers look good. It's obviously not all his fault. Green Bay that year, I've got these numbers again. This is all from Bill Huber at Packers Central. Finished 20th in total defense, 26th in rushing defense, which is about the norm around here, and 22nd in points allowed. Rodgers, three touchdowns and four picks with a 76.9 passer rating when tied or trailing by one score in the fourth quarter. 12th in completion percentage, 17 in rating while throwing the most interceptions in situations like that. I'm saying all of that to say this is where things get interesting for Jordan Love this year because you can look at all of those, the numbers by the end of the year, and Rodgers' numbers at the end of the year look really good. You know, 28 touchdowns, 13 picks, throws for 400, four, excuse me, 4,000 yards. A lot going on that's well there. The quote from Brian Gutekunst that I think is fitting for this year's team. And again, quarterback wins is not a stat, but it kind of is. And I'll explain here in just a minute. I think the one thing you see, 
in this league is very rarely are guys shot out of a cannon winning wise. Brian Gutekunst said this uh, in the offseason. There's some great play. There's instances you see flashes, but I think it takes most of these quarterbacks a little time to learn how to win. That's the money quote right there is it takes them time to learn how to win. That was true of Aaron Rodgers. It's been true of basically every first year starter, save for a couple outliers. The most recent example we have obviously is Patrick Mahomes who sat for a year behind Alex Smith comes out chiefs are on the doorstep of the super bowl. They win it the following season in his second year as a starter, but morally that is where I think this season could be a lot of fun, but also pretty frustrating because I do think there are going to be games and I can hear the stupidity and the narratives and all that stuff now of like, well, Rogers would have won that game. Just like when back in those days we heard, well, Favre would have won that game. Like there's going to be a game where the Packers have the ball with a chance to go win it. And Jordan Love's going to not finish the drive off. He's going to fumble. He's going to throw an interception. Just whatever it is, is going to happen. Most likely. Maybe he's Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. Like, that's kind of what I'm getting at. But the likelihood, the statistical likelihood, is that Love will struggle in these situations out of the gate. And that's where the Packers are set up to where, again, by the end of the year, you're going to go like, man, they got a nice little roster. They just need to win more of those close games. Again, they were 1-7 in seven in that particular stretch that year. Last year, 4-5. and five. Those things, to, which is pretty representative of how it goes. One-score games are usually a flip of the coin unless you're the 2022 Minnesota Vikings where you win all of those games. So what does all of this say to you, Morley? That's kind of what I'm getting at. All of this information that I've just tossed in your direction, what does it say about your expectations for this year? Does it change any of your thoughts or anything related to the quarterback situation, how they win, anything like that? I mean, it's just it's hard, man. It, Cause he's Brian's right. It's hard to win. Like you have, it's a, it's a trait It is a skill. Winning is a skill, but winning is uh, something some guys are better at. They just know how to do it. They, they, whatever, whatever it takes to get that W some guys know how to, how to, how to access that more than other guys. But it's going to rely a lot on the guys around Jordan. And I, if we do remember back, and I do, I remember 2008 with Rodgers as a starter, uh, a lot of Rodgers' defending was going on. And a lot of it was necessary because pe- a lot of people were coming at him like they were at the the NFC Championship game, and now they have a losing record. And what was the difference? The quarterback. And you have to, and you had to like ask those people, but did you watch the games? Um, because they were always in a position to win it they just struggled to do so and so with love i mean if that's the case at the end of the year i think that's a scenario that you accept and you're and you, you can find excitement in if the quarterback looked good and they just need to learn how to win because they are young they are very young this team um so if that's the case i think that's something to be excited about and i think that's one of the unknowns about this season is you know the other scenario would be they win those games and it's just like oh maybe they have a quarterback that uh, you know can access that you know whatever part of that brain whatever part of that uh you know athletic makeup that some of those guys have maybe jordan love has that that's the exciting thing is we don't know we really don't and we it's hard to say it really is and and, and there's no formula for it either uh, because a lot of people can be like, well, at Nevada, Jordan didn't really have that. Well, neither did Mahomes at Texas Tech. Go look Utah at his record. State. 
Jordan Love didn't go to Nevada. What did I say? Nevada. Oh, I'm thinking of Cameron. Uh, yeah, uh, so Utah State. But either way, look at Texas Tech when Mahomes was there. They were not winning championships. They were not winning Big 12s. You know, they were fine. And um, it's it's just one of the unknowns of this season that we're not going to know until it's over. We're not even going to know when it's halfway through the season. We're just not going to know. And that's the beauty of it. That's what I think is going to be fun about it as well. Um, but we'll see. And I'm kind of sick of waiting, honestly. I just want to – man, I wish it was week one. I wish it was week one right now. I'm not even as excited for training camp as I usually am because I just want the games to start. Yeah, and I'm curious. I am excited for camp because the – I I know people like piss and moan about this during as it's happening or whatever, but I love scrolling and seeing the play-by-plays. And I don't care that the same – you know, four people in a row tweet the same thing. Who cares? Oh, yeah. It it's beats awesome. now. It beats now where like literally ESPN just had Sports Center just had a tweet that was like fictional basketball player all-star team. So like Calvin Cambridge from the movie Like Mike and and just Air Bud was not like they're we're building lists like that. Like I'm bored. Let's yeah. talk football. It's it's time to do some stuff like Who that. So I, Does anyone actually complain about that? Like oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'll send you the tweets when they have about that or do people complain about the reactions that they get? Probably, I mean, it's all of it, of course, because as soon as Jordan Love throws an interception, that will make national, you know, news. Oh yeah, every pass yeah, Jordan we, Love we, throws. We keep talking about Mahomes, and, and it's easy to because uh, he was, you know, he was someone that I covered close as well, just because I'm from Kansas City. But they had an interception counter for him, like mm-hmm. a, a tally. Uh, from training camp and that's the kind of stuff where it's like okay that's a little bit ridiculous because that's silly but it's interesting it's it's still interesting at least to kind of look at that and be like well this is happening this is something that he was supposed to be bad at and who knows that that adds to the intrigue for sure and the nice part for the Packers is for this year in camp you know with so many practices not in pads there are enough guys that are new on the um on the outside, you know, skill position type players to where it's, it's hard to gauge much from a defensive lineman when they're not wearing pads. It's hard to gauge much from a pass rusher when they're not wearing pads. So like, that's where the preseason games come in. That's not impossible. Like, not it's impossible. not impossible. No, it's not impossible. The only thing that kills me is when people are like, you can't learn anything from a defensive lineman in training camp. Or, or in mini camp or in shorts or anything like that. Like, can you? I'm pretty sure you can. Like, you can, yeah. Do they pass? Like, the- I can tell what type of athletic makeup this guy has. Like, the Van Ness stuff, like, I'm, that gets me excited watching him move in shorts. Like, does it, does it mean that he's going to, you know, set the league on fire right away? No, but. It sure as hell is exciting, and it does tell you that he is a freakazoid athlete and as advertised. Now, once they get the pads on and stuff in training camp, that's when you really know. But the thing that always gets me to is talk to the offensive linemen. They'll tell you. They'll mm-hmm. tell you who they think a dude is. I remember when Kenny Clark was a young guy and and struggled You know, his first year and hardly got on the field. The offensive lineman, you know, the the TJ Langs, the Josh Sittens of the world, spoke very highly of him. We're like, this kid is going to be really good. The veterans did the that. same for Rashawn Gary after yep. his first season. They were like, watch, you know, kind of pay attention to what's going on here. And that's where I actually think the pads are when that's what determines, like, who's a workout warrior as a skill position player 
versus, and I know I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth as I say this, but like you can learn, like Luke Musgrave, for example, and I'm not saying Musgrave's going to suck or anything like that, but like he's doing well in helmet and shorts. Cool. That's not a bad thing, obviously. But a player similar to that, for example, once the pads come on, that can change, that can change things, knowing you could get popped, knowing you could get hit, knowing anything like that could happen. And that's where, that's where I'm excited for the games too. Like, you know, number one, I think Jordan Love's going to play more than the starting quarterback has since Matt LaFleur got here, which if he plays one snap, that's more than any that Jordan Love has played. Um, or I'm sorry, than Aaron Rodgers played under Matt LaFleur. Aaron Rodgers played zero preseason snaps when he was here under Matt LaFleur. So I think Love will play more. Um, not a ton more, but I think he'll play more. And then, you know, not only that, like the Packers, you know, the back end of the roster, Lou Nichols, uh, Dontavion Wicks, Grant DeBose, these back end of the roster receivers, back end of the roster pass rushers. We talked about Anibare, Justin Hollins, Brenton Cox, players like that. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, is he going to play and does he do well? I would like to see him. Uh, he's one of my, spoiler alert, I'm doing five breakout candidates for Packers Central. He's one of them. Uh, that seems to be like one of the quote unquote obvious ones, but it's there uh, with Wyatt. I just think the Packers... The preseason and training camp is always more fun and more interesting to me than it is to maybe some others because I enjoy not just the back half of the roster stuff, but I kind of like in being able to watch football inconsequentially, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the Packers lost. Okay, who cares? Like big that's deal. Why, I that's, why, that's why to me, I, I'm just excited. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm going to love training camp. I'm going to love the preseason. I remember Aaron Rodgers' first start against the Bengals. James Jones losing his helmet running in for touchdown. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Super memorable and fun. But the inconsequential part, I don't think it necessarily is right now with love. Like, if he goes out and stinks in the preseason, we may say, like, oh, that's inconsequential. That doesn't matter. But that's going to give everybody at least, like, oh, that's not great. That's not great. Because, um, like, with, with Aaron Rodgers, if he goes out and stinks in the preseason, there's a certain point with your quarterback, they're just like, whatever. Like, who cares? He's good. You know? Right. We don't have that with Jordan Love. We really don't know. And, and so, like, the the part I'm not looking forward to and why I just want to get into the games is the living and dying with every single game, with every single performance. Um, so that's – that's going to be it's it's a two-edged sword because that's the fun part and that's also going to be the tough part about it is you're there are going to be weeks where we're like oh boy the Packers got another one and then there's going to be other weeks where it's like oh crap <laughs> you know and so it, it it'll be interesting this season and the thing about the NFL is you got to wait a whole week to get that taste out of your mouth as a player and as a fan and you gotta you gotta wait and you gotta kind of live in that for a week and it's gonna be every single week and it's gonna be a roller coaster and uh our tickets are punched we we can't back out now it's happening yeah and that's where like you said the excitement part comes from for me uh from the standpoint of every week it's like when matt lafleur was the the new coach you kind of took it because my take on it whenever they hired him was like, I don't know anything about him. He's never been a head coach before. So like, let's just kind of see how it goes. And every week was an opportunity to evaluate, like, what did he do? What did he do? Well, what mistakes did he make? Did he learn from those mistakes? Like I remember like one of the first things was he, that was the year you could challenge pass interference. 
and he emotionally was pissed off at a ref and he challenged PI and said, after the fact, I can't do that. Like I can't get emotional and challenge. And he hasn't. Obviously you can't challenge past interference any longer, but there isn't a emotional challenge that comes to mind where I'm like, yeah, he probably let his emotions get the best of him or something like that. So that's the thing with Jordan Love that'll be interesting. Plus, you know, you've got the other guys around him too. Jaden Reed, new guy. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, new guy. How the offense performs with Jordan Love. There's a lot of new guys starting there. And, you know, the upside's there. Um, so next week we'll talk about some guys that maybe can can raise the ceiling of this team um, and, and whatever else happens between now and then. But we're out of time. This is our last, in theory, kind of depends on when, what you view as the start of training camp, I guess, if it's the first practice or when the players have reported. But it's our last pre-camp episode. So I'm looking forward to getting started with the season. Check out at Packaday Podcast for all of your latest Packers news and podcasts there. You can follow Morley. He's at Jacob Morley. You can follow me. I am at Jacob Westdorf. Looking forward to the season starting, guys. One more week. That's it. One more week. And then the Packers, less than a month until their first preseason game. Their first preseason game is on August 11th against the Cincinnati Bengals. That is a Friday. What? Uh, Dude, I didn't realize. I didn't. I that just. I just mentioned. This is weird. The whole the the, the parallels between Rogers, far to Rogers, Rogers to Love. I didn't realize. Now, that's Love's first preseason game too. Is the Bengals? Yeah, like it was. Rogers's was at home. This one will be in Cincinnati. But yes, that Dude, is. I a, cannot wait. I cannot wait till Romeo Dobbs runs a little crosser. Dobbs. 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 I'm going to break you of that. His name is Dobbs. Dobbs. I, I think I know that, but now I'm I just get scared every time. Committed I say to the bit. Uh, I can't wait till he gets his helmet knocked off and runs into the end zone. Like that's going to be great. The only thing Do is they have a guy. Is anybody wearing eighty nine? I don't think so. Is it like Jeff Cotton or something like that? Yeah, somebody that's not going to play with love though, so that's not going to work. Yeah. Damn. Well, eighty seven is close. Or nine. Nine. Yeah. If Watson's going to play, I hope Watson doesn't take a hit like that though. Watson and James Jones are built a little different. <laughs> yes, that is correct. There you go, guys. That's it. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you guys sticking around with us all off season, and we will talk to you again next week. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.